You're listening to the Biz Library Podcast, a weekly discussion that covers important topics that affect HR and learning and development professionals. You can find us online at www.bizlibrary.com and on Twitter at BizLibrary. BizLibrary is dedicated to HR and learning professionals and committed to providing the best and most complete online training solution that engages employees and drives business results. Hello and welcome to the Biz Library Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Smith, and today we're joined by Matthew Burr from Burr Consulting. Matthew, first of all, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate being uh, being on and uh, having the opportunity to to have a conversation. So, thank you. Absolutely. Uh, we're here to talk about interviewing, and, and I think interviewing has never been more robust and interesting as it is now. So I have a lot of questions. Um, and just so you guys know why we're so excited to talk to Matthew about this um, particular subject is that uh, Matthew Burr has over 13 years of experience working in human resources. He started his career as an industrial relations inter- intern at Kennedy Valve Manufacturing. And most recently, he's founded and manages a human resource consulting company called Burr Consulting. Uh, He's the LLC and co-owner of Labor Love, a labor and employment law poster printing company. So uh, many of you probably have his posters hanging in your uh, office in some place. And prior to founding the consulting firm, uh, the majority of his career was spent in manufacturing and in healthcare. He specializes in labor and employment law, conflict resolution, performance management, labor and employment relations. Matthew has a generalist background in HR and provides strategic HR services to his clients, focusing on small and medium-sized organizations. He teaches both undergraduate and graduate-level business courses at Elmira College and is also the SHRM Certification Exam Instructor. He also acts as an on-call mediator and fact-finder through the Public Employment Relations Board in New York State, working with the public sector employees and labor unions. Uh, So an impressive resume. Obviously, we have a lot to learn from Matthew here. Um, We're going to focus on on interviewing and the best practices for interviewing. Um, And so I got to ask, a topic that we hear over and over again, or a phrase, I guess, is hire for culture. Uh, What are your your, thoughts, personal thoughts on that phrase, hire for culture? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree. And I think part of that is almost a reverse interview process for the applicant to see if they are the right cultural fit for, for our organizations. And it's kind of a two-way street. You know, does it does the culture fit uh, the applicant and does the applicant fit the culture? And, and again, you've got to kind of find that middle road. If you've got more of a team environment or, you know, we call it like an open workspace type environment, someone wants to work in an office it's probably not going to be a good fit for them uh if you've got an individual contributor that doesn't want to work in a team a team environment's not going to be good for them either Uh, if you've got a real type a uh, aggressive personality competitive driven culture that's the type i like to work in and i've thrived in in the past you might not be the right fit if you're a type b type person so for sure absolutely so a lot of um what you've pointed out are definitely like uh, big red flags, but what if it's a little bit more subtle than that um, when you're trying to identify, you know, would this person fit in? What are some of the, the ways that you have to identify if that person really is a, a culture fit when it's not immediately obvious one way or another? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think um, you've got to ask them specific questions related to their background, related to their experience. Uh, related to, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, have be open and honest about the culture in the organization. Uh, you know, it's, it's probably not easy to recruit people to go work for Sears and Kmart Corporation, but you've got to be honest with some of the challenges. And some people thrive with change management. Uh, but it's all about, you know, being 
you know, being relatively open with some of the, the maybe cultural issues or cult cultural opportunities that to present themselves in the organization. Absolutely. So uh, to you, I mean, we're talking about interviewing and, and I tend to view interviewing as a process one way or another. Um, so can you kind of walk me through what uh, a great interview process looks like, maybe from both the candidate uh, perspective, but also then from the, uh, let's say, hiring manager or recruiter perspective? Yeah, you know, and, and I think that comes down to uh, the interview process it needs to be relatively streamlined. You know, the recruiter needs to spell out kind of what it's going to look like. And, and really the onboarding process, in, in my definition, is when a person first looks at a job, even before they apply, that that really starts the process of, of trying to uh, recruit and retain, uh, you know, your top talent. So, you know, it, it should be, uh, you know, an email, potentially an email dialogue, maybe some type of an assessment test, a, a phone screen or two on-site interviews and then you know maybe coming back if there's a couple of good applicants and then a decision is made it should be a pretty efficient streamlined process it shouldn't drag out six eight uh, three months to you know six eight weeks to three months at that point you're losing people uh and and again if the if the follow-up process isn't within the first couple days you're the, the person's already gone there's seven million jobs open people aren't waiting around uh, to hear back unless it's their you know their dream job then they might sit and wait a little bit longer yeah no that definitely makes a lot of sense and, and kind of goes in hand with uh what we're hearing um in kind of adjacent topics uh so Uh, I guess I have two questions then. So uh, I do a lot of interviewing on the podcast, um, and I've also interviewed as a candidate. Um, in today's like competitive uh, uh, labor labor environment, um, where we have such low unemployment rates, um, you know, what kind of what kind of questions are we asking our candidates to kind of quickly identify if they're going to work? Um, like, what are some good questions that would that would uh, help you kind of expedite the process, but still be thorough in your in your you know checking of these candidates? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's going to depend on the organization and the position. I mean, you again, you want to be open with and transparent in your dialogue, and you should be open and transparent on why the job is open. Uh, you know, I, an example for me is I've interviewed for companies. I've actually taken jobs with companies where they said there's 25% travel. At the end of uh, the three, you know, three or four months that I was in the position, I mean, I only lasted six months in the job. I was on the road 90% of the time. Mm. And I mean, those are the types of things that are just going to, first of all, kill your opportunity to recruit top talent, but you're not going to retain anybody either doing things like that. So, uh, you know, be open, you know, with some of the challenges, some of the unique opportunities, maybe some of the career growth that there might be uh, you know, involved there and, and, and press them on some areas too. You've got to, you know, my, my style tends to be more of a stress interview than anything else. Uh, but I tend to try to dig and dig and dig until I get information that I think, and until I think they've answered the question and, you know, don't be afraid to ask the, the, the hard questions and follow up with people and, and hold them accountable. And frankly, they should be interviewing you and asking you difficult questions along the way as well as the, uh, as the organization. But, you know, I mean, make it fair, make it warm and welcome, but also, uh, you know, talk to them about some of the, some of the challenges and some of the opportunities involved with the position and see if they're up for the challenge. And look, some people might weed themselves and be like, look, this, you know, this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. The travel isn't, wasn't my cup of tea and other people love to travel. So, uh, you know, you got to kind of find that sweet spot, but I think 
the more open, the more transparent you are professionally, the better off you are in, 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 um, in recruiting and retaining people, but also, uh, you're also building that trust in the front because if somebody finds out you, you weren't really honest with them during their interview, the likelihood they're going to start looking at is, is in the first three, three to six months. And I'm a perfect example. I was done with that job in six months. So, yeah, absolutely. And we, and we know already that it's costly to replace and uh, retrain employees. Um, so that's a great point. Um, then let's talk about job postings and job listings. I mean, uh, as a former job seeker, I know how frustrating it can be to look at uh, job postings asking for, you know, entry level with five years of experience. Um, you know, what what kind of, I guess we, we're straying a little bit from the interview and kind of going back through the process to an earlier point. But um, what does a great job posting look like to you? You know, it's funny. I just did uh, an exercise on job postings and job uh, job descriptions in my class, and it, you know, it, I answered it real briefly. It should be uh, it should be the so what, right? So what makes your job stand out different than any other person recruiting right now or any other organization recruiting? Why is your company different, right? What's drawing me into that? Uh, and to look at your your job and applying to that job versus every other company that's got an HR director job posted. What makes you different? It's got to be eye-catching. It's got to be, you know, I think it's got to be short and sweet. you got to know your audience. People aren't going to read a 27-page job posting. It should be a couple paragraphs with some, uh, you know, some requirements at the end there. You know, it's it's knowing your audience and then knowing kind of what is eye-catching and what drives it to the top of the the Indeed.com or whatever job site you use, what's driving it to the top of those lists uh, to to ensure people are reading it as well. So, Okay. So uh, we've got a good job posting. Uh, we've had a couple great interviews. Um I guess, what are some, some of the things, let's say you have two different uh, candidates that, you know, you, you've identified might be good culture fits, um, are up to the challenge, as you sort of mentioned, um, and, and kind of you feel like understand uh, understand the challenges and opportunities that come with any given job. Uh, what are some of the, like, the deciding factors when you have like a situation where you have multiple uh, candidates who could be good at, at, at this job? You know, I, I think it's always good potentially to get a second and fill it out. Um, you know, maybe you have their coworkers, uh, you know, or, or somebody else interview them to get a get a second opinion. Look, I, I always make the joke when it comes to HR positions in any type of organization, a corporate office, you know, every HR person has an opinion about the HR person they're going to hire. So I normally interview with just about every HR person. Uh, on the planet or that works for that organization uh, because they all want to, they all want to have an opinion on uh, who they should hire. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's never the, a bad thing to, uh, to bring them back in and, and have another sit down with them to kind of make a final decision on applicancy. And then, you know, the, the, the more important piece to me is you make the decision on candidate A or candidate B, let's say we go with candidate B it's, it's almost as important to follow up with candidate A as it is making the offer to candidate B because candidate B could turn you down or they might not last a week and you, you might have burned a bridge with candidate A. So there's, extre- there's an extremely important task of the follow-up and communication loop closure with the person that wasn't selected as well. Yeah, that's something uh, 
I don't know, you've probably seen Adam Karpiak, and I, I'm sure I'm spelling his name wrong, on LinkedIn, um, sort of a recruiting expert and, and maybe a thought leader in, in that specific industry, uh, talks about the importance of a follow-up a lot. Um, on top of, like, the burning bridges and, and, and things like that, maybe a candidate that, uh, uh, you know, doesn't even get to the point of an interview, um, how important is it to send, um, a, and why should we be sending um, some kind of communication, even an automated email to those uh, candidates that, that don't make it to an interview stage? Yeah, I mean, and I, and I call it, it just goes into the black the black hole, uh, uh, you know, of, of the internet or the, the applicant tracking system. I'm extremely critical with organizations that don't follow up with just the generic thanks but no thanks interview because you're going to you're going to build a reputation uh, you know in communities or even around the world that you don't follow up with people and you know you're going to not you're going to have people not applying i mean i'm very critical about companies that have done that with me i think that it's extremely unprofessional to not do that i've had rejection letters come to my email box 18 months after applying for a job and that to me is just unacceptable business practices. Even the generic thanks but no thanks at least give somebody closure on that they uh, weren't moved through the process, but the resume was reviewed. I mean, those are things that's low hanging fruit stuff that any company can do very quickly. And there's really no reason not to do those things. Sure. Um, so I guess. Uh... You know, I know you're. I know we're getting a little short on time here, um, and we've had a great conversation so far. Um, I guess I'm wondering, uh, what would be your tips? You know, you're someone that knows a lot about interviewing. What would be your tips to interviewees? Um, how do they stand out at an interview? Um, as part of asking questions, I mean, what what does a strong interview feel like uh, on the part of an interviewee? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think, again, showing up with confidence, knowing about the organization, you know, being prepared with challenging questions, um, you know, asking, asking the right questions, understanding that you're also interviewing the organization for, you know, as, a, as an applicant, you want to make sure you're the right fit as well. You're not showing up desperate, just trying to get the job and, and that you engage in the process. Uh, throughout to ensure that uh, you're making the right decision as well. You know, dress, I always tell people dress for success. I think organizations have laxed on maybe some of the dress code stuff. I, that doesn't stop me from wearing a, a suit and tie everywhere I go when I do an interview. Well, I'm a consultant, so I wear it anyway. Uh, but I think, again, dress, you know, dressing up for the interview, showing up on time, understanding where you need to go, um, asking how many people are you interviewing with, kind of asking about the schedule if that's not presented to you. And then the thing that, again, that stands out in my mind is the thank you email or thank you letter after, or a thank you card in the mail after the interview, to me still makes a difference in the process. Very important piece of that. Uh, treating the exec, you know, administrative assistant or secretary with respect. Mm -hmm. If you walk in there and are disrespectful to my secretary, that's a red flag immediately as well. Uh, and I have weeded people out because of those things in the past. So that's interesting you say that. Um, so, what percentage of you know, in in, in your thirteen years of experience uh, interviewing, what percentage of of candidates really stand out as someone that comes in prepared? Uh, you know, is ready to interview, understands that it's sort of a two-way interview. Um, how many people actually, you know, do you believe uh, come in with that mentality and that attitude? 
You know, it's a pretty small percentage, in my opinion, that, you know, at least from my standard, I would say probably under 10% get it. Uh, You know, and it depends. I mean, you might, you know, somebody that's been in industry 15, 20 years, I think understands if it's successful, that will have other opportunities, understands kind of how the game is played. But you also have people that are professional interviewers and and they're salespeople that know, if I get through this interview, I'm going to get a job offer. You got to be careful of those people because they are just professional interviewers. You've got to, you've, that's why you've got to ask some of those tough questions along the way as well to ensure that you are able to get through some of the weeds and, and make a, a good decision. But, you know, I think, you know, in my opinion, colleges are doing a better job, at least in my, you know, I'm a full-time professor and I spend a lot of time on careers and interviewing and these are the things you should be doing. Career service offices, colleges, I think they're doing a better job preparing people for these things. I think there's a ways to go before we're where we need to be, but but there has been a big increase in, in demand and expectation at the academic level and from parents and students that the career service office should be preparing people to walk in and, and uh, understand this stuff. So Certainly. Um, so it's getting better, uh, that 10% figure you gave us, hopefully. Um, Last question. I know I know you're uh, a busy guy, and we appreciate your time so far. Um, I'm just going to ask you one last question. What's your favorite uh, of sure. the moment tough question to throw out in an interview um, to sort of weed out maybe those professional interviewer types? Yeah, you know, uh, the one I ask everybody, I mean, I do a lot of mock, you know, and I got to say even high schools and middle schools, I, I do a lot of volunteer mock interviews for our career service council in the area. Uh, and that, you know, I, I spend time at high schools and middle schools and, and interview some of those folks. They're having kids build resumes in like sixth and seventh grade up to, you know, seniors in high school. They're way ahead of where I was as a, as a college, you know, even as a college senior, I was barely putting my first resume together. Um, so, I mean, we are doing a better job earlier in life. And, and the one question that I do ask every interview and, and every applicant is tell me about a time you failed. And, and I want a legitimate answer on this is what I made a mistake on or this is where I made a mistake, whether it's a test in your economics class or it was a million-dollar project. I mean, tell me what you made a mistake on, what you learned, and how you improved from it. Improved from it. And if you tell me you've never failed, the interview's over immediately. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, okay. I mean, you know, I get it. Everyone's made mistakes and had some you know, had some downtime. So let's talk about it. It's a self-reflection question, but also kind of an emotional intelligent question wrapped up into one. You know, more specifically, if I interview HR people, I really go after them on the laws and regulations. You better understand sexual harassment laws, uh, new hire paperwork, paid family leave, all the, all you know, all the, the catchy HR terminology we have in today's society. Those are things I will grill people on, uh, specifically in industry, you know, Lean Six Sigma for operations people, stuff like that I can mm-hmm. get into the weeds on because I, I understand it, you know, in, in quite a lot of detail. So, Sure. Well, uh, Matthew Burr, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we know you have your uh, Burr Consulting. Where can people find you if they um, decide to, to look you up? Yeah, so I've got my uh, my Burr Consulting LLC.com, my LinkedIn, Matthew W. Burr, uh, Twitter is at Burke Consulting, uh, and Facebook is Burke Consulting LLC, and then our my other company, Labor Love, uh, Labor Love L. I think it's LaborLove.co is the the company website, and we do have a podcast, HR Upstate HR podcast as well, and then uh, 
uh, again, those are some of my, uh, you know, some of my websites. I'm on the Elmira College directory as well. There's, uh, I've probably got seven or eight, nine different websites out there with my information on it right now. So, Good deal. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us. We appreciate everything we learned from you today. Yeah, no, thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate it anytime. Happy to answer anything, so thank you. Awesome. Wonderful. Thanks. If you'd like to appear on the Biz Library podcast or suggest a topic for discussion, visit us on Twitter at BizLibrary or email us at hannah at bizlibrary.com. Don't forget to click subscribe, leave a rating on iTunes, and share this episode with friends through social media. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm Derek Smith. And I'm Hannah Brenner. See you next week.